this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. And thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on the Relax Back UK show. Today, the first topic is smoking, or more specifically, giving up smoking. My guest is Colleen Dwyer. She's a therapist from Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Smoking is an area where it's easy to find alarming statistics. But in spite of that, I was still an ama- amazed and appalled at this. But uh, globally, it's 1.6 billion smokers. I googled the world's population just now and I got 7.9 billion. So a lot of money is being made by the sale of cigarettes. The scariest statistic for me is this. I didn't believe it when I was a smoker was that one in two smokers die of smoking. So there are a few more statistics but more importantly advice on how to stop on the show. Then it's care for the elderly. Christina Sell runs Arbor Companions and Care, and they put carers into people's homes. She talks about how this works and the pluses of this type of care. We did drift a bit into politics and what the Prime Minister and the government is doing to help the situation. Cynically, they were going to write, now that a journalist write care, they have to write it with a capital C. And he did say that um, Cameron McIntosh was going to make a musical about carers. In spite of that clip that you just heard, it is a positive interview. So please stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. This show is cool. Dwyer is a therapist on the on Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And when she was a smoker, she smoked 60 cigarettes a day. Now that seems like a lot. First off, I should say this is a different Alan Carr. This is not Alan Carr, the comedian. Alan Carr's easy way to stop smoking. I think he was an accountant, but he was a very heavy smoker. I think he smoked 100 cigarettes a day. Um, how you can find time to do that, I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, my impression is that in the UK, there aren't as many smokers as there were a few years ago. Uh, certainly fewer smokers than in other countries around the world. My purely anecdotal thought is that a lot of people smoke in Germany. I don't know if that's true, but when I've been there, I thought, goodness, there's a lot of people sparking up here. So my first question to Colleen was, how many people do smoke in the UK and indeed in the rest of the world? Yeah, I mean, currently in the UK, it's around 14 percent, which is you're right. It is a lot lower than it used to be. I mean, at its height, 82 um, percent of adult males smoked. That was in 19, 1950s, thereabout. And uh, 41% of women smoke. So, yeah, I mean, we've come a long, set, a long way since those times. But Germany is pretty high. Austria, Switzerland, you know, they're, they're pretty high. France, kind of high as well. But, like, glo- glo- relatively speaking. But uh, globally, it's 1.6 billion smokers. Really? That, that is a lot of people puffing away on cigarettes. That's right. The tobacco industry are, uh, are busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so out of those actually billions of people that are smoking and uh, millions in the UK. Do, do you have a handle on how many people actually want to stop? 
Yeah, I mean, it's that's very high. Um, the um, Office of National Statistics have um, like been asking that question for years, and consistently, it's around about seventy percent of smokers are saying, "I want to quit," but they're not. They're not either. They're not acting on it, or they're acting on it and failing, or as we would say, the, the methodology is failing them. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to talk about some methodology. Uh, in a minute but an another really kind of serious question and it's prob probably an impossible one to answer properly really is is there a hand on how many people actually die from smoking related diseases and also how much money it costs the NHS well in terms of deaths in the UK it's about it's about 220 a day is it so, really? my goodness 220 people every day are dying from a smoking related cause and of course there's many more who are living with you know like uh, conditions caused by by smoking but it's the, the thing that shocked me and I didn't believe it when I was a smoker was that one in two smokers die of smoking I can't I didn't I thought no they're over they're exaggerating that but it is that's the case one in you got a 50 percent chance basically if you smoke of it of it being the thing that kills you that is extraordinary. I mean, <laughs> that that really does put it in perspective. Right. So you're an ex-smoker. I am. Okay. And so <laughs> were you were, were you have like a convin convicted, convinced? I'm not quite sure the right word. How, how much did you I wasn't smoke? Convicted for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was uh, I was a very heavy smoker, even like within my own social circles. So I smoked about sixty a day, and that's you know. People say, oh, how did you even manage to smoke 60 a day? But you, you could smoke pretty much everywhere back when I smoked. So I remember smoking on the train, on like in a smoking carriage on the train or in the office. You know, we'd have smoking rooms and, yeah, you could smoke everywhere. But I, I did still smoke a lot. <laughs> right. OK. But so you, we, you mentioned that lots of people want to give up who are smokers. So, you know, why why is it so hard to actually stop smoking? If, if you want to give up smoking, why don't you just stop? Yeah, well, that's the that's that's the thing that confused me, even as a smoker, as much as a non-smoker might think, well, why don't you just stop doing it? If it's so expensive and it's killing you and your family hate it, you know, like you don't want to do it. Why don't you just stop? How about that <laughs> as an idea? So that's the big mystery, isn't it, of smoking? Like, why do so many people want to quit and then but still continue? Um, but I, you know, what we're, the way that we're kind of viewing it is that it's the thinking around smoking that, that's the barrier to stopping. There's a lot of fear about stopping smoking when you're a smoker. Because, I mean, speaking from my own personal kind of experience, but I know that these are fears shared by other smokers. I just thought I would be a different person. I, I fundamentally thought that my personality would change not for the better <laughs> you know that I would be miserable and I would you know I'd lose my I don't know my rebellious edge or something or that I would I'd be the one person sat inside the bar everyone else is outside having a good laugh you know puffing away and mm -hmm. I'd be looking after their bags or something I mean <laughs> you know so I, I I thought I'd have to go through personality transformation I thought I'd have to go through years of hell really in wanting to smoke still but then having to fight a desire I kind of felt that that was that going to be never-ending would I have to right. fight a desire for the rest of my life and I was worried about you know the withdrawal from the drug and 
even if I could do it or not, I wasn't a hundred, I wasn't convinced that I had it in me. You know, it seemed like a lot of hard work and a lot of willpower. And you know what? I, I, I thought if that's the alternative, maybe smoking isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe a bit of a premature death wasn't such a I mean I'm being jokey about it but like I had to at the time like there was a bit of gallows humor about it I, I thought well do you know I'll go with a premature death then you know I'd rather live a happier life albeit a shorter one right. than a longer right. life when I'm miserable and, I'm sure and I saw a sticker somewhere that it said not smoking and not drinking doesn't make you live longer it, it just seems like it <laughs> Well, that pretty much summed up yeah. my attitude then because I didn't know any better. I just, I, I, that's the way that I'd grown up and the, the messages that I'd received, we all receive about smoking is that it's cool. You know, it's, it's a good way to relax. It's the fun, rebellious people do it. It's a treat, you know, if you're, if you're. And those messages are still there actually, aren't they? That's not a particularly old fashioned thing. No, no, they're, they're, it's alive and kicking that idea that, um, that you know that that it's it's a um it is still seen as desirable it seems crazy you know that we're so many years down the line with it knowing what we know about smoking but it's still in in like hollywood films and stuff that's the bad guy the bad lady is the one and the sexy one you know is the one yeah. like seductively lighting up a cigarette it's not just you know the old black and white films where the heroin would be you know it, like with a cigarette holder and the you know the Audrey Hepburn sort of look but it's it's continued today you know Scarlett Johansson and you know Julia Roberts and um I mean I'm trying to think of the names now and I'm showing <laughs> how how old I'm, I I'm rubbish I, I can't I'm relying on you for that I, I don't know any actors names I don't know any film stars at all <laughs> no I'm, I'm pretty terrible but the one that well the one I suppose most people could, could relate to is uh you know, out of Greece, John Travolta and uh, Olivia yeah, Newton-John. Yeah. I grew up on that stuff, you know. Yeah. And it, yeah but yeah. yeah, it's still going on now. There's the band, the Chainsmokers. My son likes the old, uh, you know, Xbox games, and uh, the little animated characters there puffing away on cigarettes. Really? It's, yeah. Goodness absolutely. Me. All right. So, in, in spite of all that, though, there has been. You, you said that the, the amount of smokers in the UK. Has, has come down there. So there has been some success. Um, what, what, what do you think has driven that? Well, I think there's been a, um, a change in our understanding. I mean, like it was back in the 1960s when it was um, the link between smoking and lung cancer was, you know, like confirmed. Um, although obviously the tobacco industry sort of tried to muddy the waters for um, long after that. But I think that there's, well, the measures that have been um, introduced through uh, governments have been fairly punitive, but that's not to say they haven't had an impact. Um, taxation, so right. increased taxation. So how, much is a pack, how much is a packet of cigarettes now? I've no idea. It's got to be nearing the 15 pound mark per 20. Know. You can't get tens anymore. I remember when I was a smoker saying if it got to £3.50 for a packet of 20, I thought, that's it, I'm out of here. If, if it actually <laughs> gets to that point, I'm, I'm going to quit. Obviously, I didn't. I carried on <laughs> puffing away and paying paying through the nose for them. But uh, yeah, now it's got to be like, well, I suppose it depends where you buy them from, but £10, £15 for a packet of 20, um, right. which is so expensive. So that must and have some impact, the sheer cost of these things. 
yeah I mean you can't you, well, I couldn't have afforded it quite frankly do you know like I, I couldn't have um, afforded it at the levels that I was smoking back then um also there's they've raised the age limit haven't they so what used to be 16 years old when you right. buy cigarettes now it's 18 um and and they're, they they are actually um enforcing that you know like they're they're um there's been a emphasis on making sure that the the retailers actually stick to that they did the plain packaging don't yeah. know how much of an impact that happened uh, that had uh smoking bans um and uh they um big emphasis in uh, like the doctors to uh, to get smokers to uh try different methods to to quit right. and actually on some packets of cigarettes now they have horrible photos of like the insides of people's lungs and stuff like that don't they yeah, it's pretty graphic, pretty unpleasant. But to be honest, when I was a smoker, I'd have just turned the well, you can't turn the packet over now because they've got it on both sides, I think. But when I <laughs> they've got you. <ya. laughs> yeah. But uh, if I looked at a warning or an advert on the telly about how gruesome smoking was to your insides, honestly, um I would I would switch over the channel. So I'd first thing reach out for my remote control. Second thing I'd do is have a cigarette. Because it would it would put me under pressure. It was scary. And what do, what does a smoker do when they're feeling stressed? They, they go for the thing they think is going to yeah de-stress them. So it didn't have the desired impact on me. That's not to say it went on you know other people, but for me it, it was it had the reverse effect. I, I wanted to smoke more. Okay, right. So let, which brings us to kind of the 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 method that you have for helping people give up smoking. So all all. The government has, you know, tried to do a fair bit and they've had some success, but there are still a lot of people smoking and yeah. a lot of those people are keen to give up and um, they try all sorts of different methods, I'm quite sure. Um, and you've got a particular method which um, has, well, has helped a lot of people. I'm sure yeah. there's some people that haven't succeeded going your method. but you, So what, what is it? How do you help people start smoking? Well, the Alan Carr's methodology is, is about the psychology of it. So whereas um, maybe like a lot of the drug approaches um, are, are focused on the physical withdrawal from the drug, either by replacing the drug through a different um, delivery method or, or taking some kind of um, pharmacological intervention. We don't do that. We, what You're talking we about say patches is, and stuff like that there, right? Yeah, patches, vaping, uh, nicotine gum. They got the the nasal sprays. So there's a there's a range of um, ways you can take nicotine in another form, which we say is kind of maybe sidestepping the issue of it. It's the problem, and oh, it's it's exaggerating the withdrawal from the drug as being the problem. Right. Um, actually, the withdrawal from the drug is is pretty mild. The the problem that people have is the psychology of it. Like I said before, the the beliefs that we hold, this whole construct in our mind about about stopping being a hardship, about it involving um, you know gargantuan you know efforts and a lot of willpower, and you have to avoid certain people and avoid certain places, and you know you've got to wear about five patches. <laughs> Don't do that; <laughs> that would be dangerous. <laughs> Um, but uh, the idea that you have to take some kind of medication uh, to get yourself through the, you know, the shakes <laughs> as you, your body withdraws from nicotine. It's all a very depressing and um, 
unpleasant picture and and we say it's not a very accurate picture i have to say when i quit smoking the majority of our clients say it was a liberating and enjoyable uh, experience and, and withdrawal from nicotine walk in the park it, it was not the big drama that everyone makes it out to be once right. you get your head straight about smoking so once you cut through the, you know, the the glamorized sort of image and the the horror stories and the scaremongering about uh, the process of stopping, it actually it's a, it's very empowering and it's very um, it's easy. Okay. It's easy. So how, fact, how, yeah. How, how, how does it work? How does the Alan Carr method? Do you get a load of people in a room and kind of lock the door and say, right? <laughs> What, what happens you next? Turn out, <laughs> tell you, <laughs> promise to quit. Well, you this, crack this, the whip. <laughs> it's not like that. It's um, well, there's different ways of of hearing Alan's message. We've got the book, so many people quit with the book. Um, so that's just a process of you know reading the how many pages it is. Uh, I did personally. I read the book and it was great, but it didn't get me to quit. I liked it. I liked the messages within the book, but it didn't kind of get me over the line so I went to a seminar uh, and it is I, I kind of was expecting what are they going to do to me in that room <laughs> what magic are they going to perform that's going to you know transform me into a happy non-smoker it all felt a bit unreal really but um yeah you just you sit in a room it, you're in a group of up to 20 other people all smokers um and the therapist uh, basically leads the group through um uh, like an, an assessment, you could call it, of, of smoking, just getting getting um, the participants to kind of challenge their, question their behaviours and their motives for their behaviours and, the, and their perception of cigarettes. And it's a very, it's very, you know, it's enjoyable. It's nice. It's a nice uh, conversational kind of informal atmosphere. You can talk, right. you don't have to talk. It's, it's, a, it's a five hours, but it goes in a in a flash really and, and are, are all the people that lead this ex-smokers themselves yeah it's prerequisite i don't think i'd have taken it off somebody who'd never smoked you know i'd have thought you know yeah, no, you... coming. yeah 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 exactly i'd have thought oh another pious non-smoker who's here to tell me <laughs> that i'm you know a terrible human being um yeah no in fact it was it that alan said he's probably the the heaviest smoker ever you know he smoked a hundred a day and he was he was desperate you know to quit and, and he failed but uh and i think that spoke to me i thought god there's someone worse than me <laughs> wow <laughs> i didn't think that was possible but uh yeah all, all the people who um who perform alan's uh program or run the seminars uh were once smokers and they quit with alan's program that that's that's uh, a given so and it's a it's a five hour long session yeah. Is, there, is it just one session or do you have to come back for top ups or how, how does that work? Yeah, it's for most people, it's what that one session and that's it. So it's five hours, so regular breaks so you can um, smoke. <laughs> so you pop out for cigarette breaks um, every 45 minutes or so or every hour if you if you want to. Um, and yeah, and at the end of the program, that's it. That one seminar does most people. But if, for, for people who need a little bit of extra help or who... Um, yeah, for whom it didn't quite gel. We've got booster seminars, and right. uh, then they're, they're not quite as long. They're about uh, three hours long each, uh, and you, there's two of those. So, but they're very, very successful for the people that need them. They do the job. So, 
during the one of this is a bit of a silly question going i'm going to ask it anyway so apologies in advance but during the five hours at each successive cigarette break the fewer people pop out <laughs> well it's not a silly question and, and people kind of expect that to be the case and that's why one of the things that we say you know at the very start of the program is like don't don't count your your you know what your desire to smoke and and see if it's waning off that's what i did in my seminar the whole way through i was thinking i still want to smoke <laughs> this isn't working i can't feel any different yeah yeah, I don't feel any different. And I'd check in on the person next to me and I say, do you want to smoke still? I still want to smoke. Why? What's isn't it's not working on me. I'm not getting the magic. And so we say, you know, don't don't worry about that. Don't, just relax. Focus on the information and and uh, the rest will follow. So, no, we don't um, desire that people uh, we don't want it so that people don't want to smoke their final cigarette. We actually say right from the off we want you to smoke your final cigarette, which will be at the end of the programme. It's significant, that final one. Yeah. Okay. And do you keep numbers? Do you know what the success rate is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we keep our own uh, records, obviously. But also, um, we've had independent scientific studies done. So that shows that um, over 12 months, or at 12 months, over 53% um, have stopped smoking. So um, that's over half you know, um, 50%. And at three years, it's a 51% success rate. So that that's pretty, pretty staggering. For yeah. A, well, for a five hour chat, for a five hour yeah, session. No drugs. Exactly. And the other thing that I think is most important um, is that when people quit with the Alan Carr program, they actually feel free. Do you know, like you don't then have to spend the rest of your life counting the days. Oh, it's been, you know, 15 days since I last smoked, or it's been, you know, a hundred and 49 days since I last smoked that's it from the moment you put out that final cigarette you're done you're a non-smoker from that point onwards right. so so it, how you feel is very different it's one thing you know that it's successful but really the success is not have you quit or not the success is do you have a desire to smoke or not because there are people out there who haven't smoked for like 30 odd years but they still hanker after you know they still like Mm -hmm. like the smell of it or you know think oh god it'd be nice if i could just have that one cigarette i you know i've got none of that and people who quit with us don't have any uh you know lingering nostalgia for oh just yeah. the one well but that's important that's though because you know if you do have this hankering then presumably there's a load of friends you can't see anymore so can you <laughs> could you keep seeing all your old buddies you know <laughs> your old buddies that were smokers you didn't have to cut them off no, no, not at all. And that that's, you know, a, a really liberating part of it is that you don't feel jealous that, you know, that was one of the things I didn't want to be. Like when I quit smoking, I didn't want to be the person who had wafted everyone else's smoke, cigarette smoke away and had to, you know, put them down a little bit and say, oh, can you do, would you mind? Um, because I, th I, I saw through that when I was a smoker. I thought you're jealous. I know that you're jealous. You <laughs> want to smoke and you're yeah. not letting yourself smoke. And the only way you can kind of put yourself above this scenario is to, to put the smokers down. Or well, that's there's, how I read def it. There's definitely that thought that the worst anti-smoker is an anti-smoker who's an ex-smoker, isn't it? I mean, people have come across that. Lots of people have come across yeah. that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I that class. Good, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't, I don't do that <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> that is kind of irritating, actually, when that happens in a social environment. Good. So I'm, I'm glad it yeah. doesn't produce those sorts of people. 
no 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 we don't want to walk <laughs> but yeah um holier than thou ex-smokers no it's 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 lovely actually being in a scenario where you're not trying to um do anything you know I, my sister um she still smoked when i quit and i didn't have to I didn't have to tell her, oh, do you mind not doing it? Or it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. I love my sister, whether she smokes or not is irrelevant, you know? Well, I mean, it's obviously it's relevant to her enjoyment of life, but in terms of our relationship, it, it's not the feature. The feature is our shared history, uh, you know, and our appreciation of each other's humor. That, that's, that's the real connection in relationships, not whether someone's got a, you know, a nicotine stick <laughs> in their hand. And so how's it been working over the last year or so with COVID? So is it possible to do these events via Zoom or do you have to all get in the same room? Well, we've been, we've, we were running, even before uh, the pandemic, we were running them online um, as well as uh, face-to-face. So in that respect, it wasn't uh, much of a difference for us other than more people obviously then did it online. Um, but yeah, equal success rates. It's not a problem. It's that same feel. The information is the same. So, and the success rate is the same. Right. Okay. Well, that's important. The success rate being the same. And is, yeah. is this thing global or is this just in the UK? It's global. So we're in 150 centres uh, worldwide. Um, and that's 50 countries, thereabouts, 50 countries. Um, and the, the book's been translated into 27 different languages. Oh, okay. So it's, right. um, it's a global phenomenon. <laughs> And uh, do you know how many people in total have stopped smoking using the method? Well, it's been estimated at 50 million. So that's a 15, significant... One five million. No, five zero. Oh, my goodness. Million. Yeah. Okay. And that's based on book sales and obviously the numbers of the people that we see through our clinics. Yeah. Wow. Right. So if people want to be part of this uh, club of 50 million and, yeah. you know, want to get involved and stop smoking using this method... Yeah. Uh, what can they do? How, do they give you a call? Get more. How, what can they do to get more info? Well, we're online, um, so they can just reach us online, alancar.com. Um, and we've got uh, in the UK telephone number is 0800 389 2115, and that's a free phone just to take you through. Or we've got live chat, you know, on on the website, and um, you know, so make it nice and easy for people to uh, to get more information. Yeah. Or you okay. could just go to a library and get the book. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, look, I, this is an important topic because, you know, smoking does ruin a lot of people's health and a lot of people's lives. So um, thank you very much indeed for, you know, letting us know about this method. It, it, it sounds like a, like a very good thing. So uh, so many thanks, Colleen. My pleasure. And thanks for uh, for having me, Mike. So before I introduce the second guest today, I just want to mention that UK Health Radio have their awards for 2021 now up and running and they're open for voting. Have you got a favourite health product or a favourite health professional? The shortlisted brands and people have made a massive difference to many lives over the past year. So just visit the UK Health Radio website that's ukhealthradio.com and click on the awards tab to go to the voting area we're really looking forward to see the results and who wins all the winners will be announced in august so that website again just visit ukhealthradio.com now on with my second guest for today 
Christina Sell is a person who, just from chatting to her, I could tell she is extremely driven and committed to what she does and has a lot of energy. She runs Arbor Companions and Care, and they supply live-in carers um, to people that need them. She started her, her career in a very closely related field. She was a nurse. Yes, um, I'm proud to be a Nightingale nurse. I trained at her very own training school uh, back in, in London, back in the late 70s. Okay, what's, I, don't know what, I don't know what a Nightingale nurse is. <laughs> Florence Nightingale set up a school of nursing when uh, she came out of the Crimea and she was responsible for changing the, um, the PR of nursing, if you like, from being just the ladies of the street to being ladies who saw it as a career. So she set up the Nightingale School of Nursing at St Thomas's Hospital and the School of Nursing has carried on. It's now linked with... Um, with King's and other London hospitals now, but at the time, it, so she was changing the image of nursing from something that nobody wanted to do to something that was really very desirable. Um, so I went right. to that. So and you, that's you, an ethos how, that I carried with me. No, good. And, and how long were you a nurse? Uh, well, I, in England, I was a nurse most of my career, but in South America, I was helping as a nursing assistant for about three years. So for the last 40 years, I've been in the nursing and allied professions. Goodness me. All right. So you're a very experienced nurse. And what yeah. what is it that you kind of bring from your big, your large experience, your long experience as working as a nurse to the kind yeah. of the care uh, I was going to say care industry, I suppose, and it is an industry. It just doesn't sound quite yeah. like an industry. But anyway, what 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 well, do you bring as a nurse to it all? Okay, well, to me, that nursing is a very broad. It in, it involves everything from the technical side of providing care to actually the well making people feel good and feel well about themselves, and that's the essence of good nursing. It's also shared with care. And over the years, we've split it. And I've worked between what we call social care and health care. I've worked between the two. And they end up the same. They have different ways of approaching their work, but it's all the same in the end. The outcome is that you want that person to feel better about themselves physically and emotionally. And the two are so closely aligned, you can't split them. And right. I think that's what I've learned over the years. Okay. And so you, you bring this to your, your company, Arbor Companions. Yeah, we call it companions as well as care because we're working with care very much focuses on what you do to somebody, but companions is what you do with somebody. So that's why we call it companions. Right. Care. Oh, I see. Okay. So what is the company? Is, is it, um, do you provide staff for care homes or? No, 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 no. Do you have uh, what care it is, homes is, that you run? We, I've had care homes uh, over my varied career um, and we do exactly the same as somebody gets in a care home. The carers are, are trained to the same level, they're regulated, they're watched, they're supervised, but they do it in people's homes individually. So we transferred what we did in the care homes into people's homes so that the carer lives alongside just one-on-one, -on -one, providing one-on-one -on -one care with their client. So it's very much tailored to exactly what that person needs to make them feel good about themselves okay so you so your 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 staff or people who work with you actually stay in the homes 
they uh, live in live in uh, the homes live, where they can live, yes. live in carers. Yes, absolutely. Right. Okay, okay. But they work and for, so for us. Th there's a big demand for that. There's a huge demand for yeah, it. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, but it's finding it and finding uh, care companies that are regulated by the Care Quality Commission, and that's so important because there's a lot of individual outfits that supply care but they don't know those carers people that employ the carers they know the carers they're placing and that's the difference well certainly my we had carers come my, to help with my dad who lived with us uh, he, okay. he passed away about four years ago now but having carers okay. come to the house uh, actually was fantastic because it meant that my dad could stay at home um, and it also yeah. meant that we could go out to work and you know carry yeah. carry on as normal as as, yeah. as as we could but he was here so he could uh, spend yeah. time with us and my children could spend time with granddad and all that sort of thing and it was actually a perfect um scenario so i i, I can really understand that it's been a very valuable thing for sure excellent i'm pleased i'm pleased to hear that and that's what we like to hear that the families also benefit as well as the individual Yes, but you're, so, but you're keen to take it sort of one step further because certainly the, the carers did spend time chatting with my dad, but they were they were more looking at his kind of physical welfare yeah. and making sure he had something to eat and all that that yeah. kind of stuff. But you guys go one step yeah. further. Yeah. Okay. Um, the physical stuff and what they have something they eat, what they have to eat, that they have their medication, all of that is critical. There's no denying that. But if you've looked after somebody and you've just got them through their physical needs and yet they still don't know why they get up in the morning and have got nothing to look for during the day, what is the point? So what we try to do is spend some time with the client getting to know them. And I, the client is the person that's having the care so that we get to know exactly what it is that makes them want to get up in the morning. One of, one of our clients loves having fresh bread in the morning and we put on the bread in the machine overnight and it smells beautiful in the morning. Um, we've got another one that loves her cat and so we end up looking after the cat as much as we're looking after her. Another one that loves her garden, so we've set up um, a gardening uh, project in, in the garden that she can do and lead on. It's also making people feel valued um, and that's a very um, special way of interacting with somebody it's a way of asking people what they want asking their advice getting them to lead on what is happening to them rather than them being told what is going to happen to them yeah, it, no, I, I can imagine that's quite difficult to um to do yes it, one one is it's difficult to do and two is the training that the girls get in that is quite intense and it tends to get overlooked so, okay, you might be able to, I don't know, give a catheter or syringe driver or do all of that. But if you can't make that person feel welcomed in the mornings or whenever you see them, the harm is there. And the girls learn how to do that, how, not to, how to do the harm. They learn how to make that person feel special and wanted. Right. Only girls. Is, is it, it's, yeah. It's just women that you employ. No, no guys doing this? I've walked into that. I've got a couple of guys. Um, guys are great with men, um, but on the whole, they are attracted into it. I find them difficult to place. People, people seem to want women more than men living in their homes. 
Um, but I've got a couple of really great guys that have done some fantastic work for me. It's just demand, really. The, la- the ladies like ladies living with them. Sure. Well, certainly my, my dad, well, we didn't have living carers, but uh, my dad had both male okay. carers and female carers and kind of like liked them both. But yeah. actually the one, the, one, the one he liked the most was a, um, a, a young, attractive student <laughs> who would just gossip with him, I have to say. So I used to joke with him about, you know. That nice sounds fabulous. Person. And it's the, the gossip, which is the fantastic word there. We all love a bit of gossip. Um, and, she, and she obviously found a way to, to, to get on with him, which is fantastic. I'm pleased to hear it. Yeah, it did work very well. But, look, you know, the physical stuff they've been trained in, in nursing and they can yeah. look after an older person yeah you know, they might not be good at gardening that might not you know <laughs> so what happens if 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 the the the, the client wants to yeah. do a gardening project you know what okay do they well, have to do a crash course on they, gardening no they, they look it up. They, they, they're very very savvy with the internet they'll look it up on the internet or they'll come back to us in the office we keep all sorts of resources uh, resources in the office for whatever it is that people like to do gardening's not that difficult we can do that cooking is another thing that comes up um we've got one one fabulous lady that wanted to play bridge well the carer couldn't play bridge but she'd worked out that she could do a bridge tea and she got all dressed up in a, a little black cocktail dress because she thought that's what English ladies liked and her pearls and she had a, a bridge party for her her um her client it was wonderful it, it's whatever that client wants yeah I was going to ask you what's the strangest kind of request, but that that might be it. I don't know. Have you got any others that are kind of <laughs> noteworthy? Oh gosh, off the top of my head, uh, getting the right tomato plants was a challenge. Um, the lady knew exactly what tomato plants is. I went out to get them, and I came back with the wrong ones, and she sent me out to get the better ones. Um, <laughs> looking after somebody's poorly cat was another one. Um, one of them was he was a great golfer and. Bless his heart, he, he still he couldn't play golf, but he just loved his golf club. So we took him up there for the day okay. and he showed me how to improve my putting and he showed me how to improve my swing. It was a wonderful day, not unusual, but the really treasured moment. Very nice. OK, so maybe um, in fact, staff might like this as well, because it's, it's doing a little bit more than providing, you know, the basic yeah, they do. care. It's, it's, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure they do. But yeah. having said that, the uh, the agency that we got help with for my dad, yeah. I got the impression the real problem they had, their real difficulty was getting staff. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. that that seems to be the issue, is the yes. number one problem. Is that is you're you're yeah. saying yes, I, so this is a problem for you, is it Christina? Well, it, it is, but it's the one that we're addressing heads on. Um when you're delivering care by the hour, you, you're reliant on people who live nearby to go and do that sort of care. And that is a challenge um, for all sorts of reasons. We went down the route of having um, Eastern European market come to us and it was hugely successful. We're having to work with them now to keep that staff and to and to look at more we're having to look at other places for staff but in fact living attracts people that want to work in an environment where they're getting to know their client and it attracts people possibly more than when they've actually got to drive around seeing people for 15 minutes rushing in and out so it's sure. not as difficult as it as it could be but yes it's still a challenge particularly with brexit right and how does it work does the carer live 
with yep. the person full time or is it like two weeks on two weeks off because presumably when they're they're living there it's pretty much 24 hours a day or it could be yeah you know they're on call yeah good, good question no they actually live the way we do it is the, the carer chooses how long they want to stay with their with their client or the client says i want somebody that's going to stay too we, we work with them so that it works out a timetable that suits both of them because it's a two-way thing they actually live 20, 24 hours a day in the, in the client's house. They work 12 hours with a two-hour break, hands-on care. Eight hours of that is probably just core working. They do everything. And then the other four hours is when it's needed. So it might be getting up in the night to help them or it might be extra. So it's about a, a 12-hour day that they work. They get paid a holiday pay as well or time off for their holiday. Um, and they tend to work between five and six weeks. But as I say, we, it, the trick is to find what works for the client and the carer and match the sure. two up. When the relationship works well, and that's most of the time, uh, we've had to intervene in some areas, they decide between them what they want. Um, and we just facilitate that and make sure there's always somebody to cover their breaks. Right. But yes, they live... The, the girls that we have at the moment, most of them travel backwards and forwards from Eastern Europe when they can, and we quarantine them and we test them, um, and, and that's how it works well. Okay. If it, if it doesn't work out, I, I can imagine it being yeah. an issue with the family in some instances. instances. Yeah. I, I can imagine the, um, the client saying to the carer, come on, let's go down a pub. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, some, or, or something like that yeah yeah uh, and and possibly the family not approving I don't, uh, I don't uh, you're, 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 yes you're touching a nerve I'm living with that this week um yes actually it's important to know that the, the client themselves have a choice over what happens to them and yeah. it's about talking to the family about that where it doesn't work is where the family dictates that's exactly what's going to happen to my loved one whether they like it or not we, we can't do that but no. we can negotiate between the two of them as to why he wants to go to the pub um okay is there anything we can do there that's going to make it safer for him to go to the pub the particular person i'm thinking i wanted to go to the river to feed the ducks um and the family weren't too happy about that so we made it safer for the family to feel happy about it. We also then negotiated what the daughter wanted. It's all about negotiation. People aren't widgets, Pe people are complex, but you're right, it, it doesn't all run, always run as smoothly as you'd want it to. Right. Let me ask a slightly different question about, mm. well, demographics really, because you keep yeah. hearing about the population, well, of the world, but I'm, I'm really thinking about the UK here, is getting older. Yeah. Um, so, you're going to be run off your feet in a few years, aren't you? You know, we're all going to be needing this service. I'd like to think we were. Um, and certainly I'm ready to be run off my feet. I mean, we are planning for the future. But yes, I mean, all, we don't, people don't die of, of smoking anymore. People live longer. Fantastic. All of this is to be celebrated. And my personal view is that we should actually be planning for this and celebrating it, not putting our head in the sand and saying, isn't it dreadful? It's wonderful. We've all survived. Um, and yes, <laughs> planners should start planning for that. Do you do you get involved in that side of things? Because it wasn't that long ago that Boris Johnson said he was going to sort out social care. <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe it's been recorded. You know, he, I certainly yeah. heard him on the news saying that. Yeah. Um, okay. It doesn't seem a whole like a whole lot has happened. 
No, um, and we were all watching to see what was going to happen in the Queen's speech, and not a lot did happen. Cynically, they were going to write, now that a journalist write care, they have to write it with a capital C, and he did say that um, Cameron McIntosh was going to make a musical about carers, and that's about as far as it's gone. I spent a career well, working... I didn't hear that bit, you're joking... I'm not, I know. I can find it right at the beginning. And in fact, Michael Gove is our local MP, and I he laughed as well when when I reminded him. Yes, we always oh, need more God, money. That is of, just awful. Sorry, I I, I, no. I know, just, it's I'm, true. I'm not being very professional here. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> absolutely horrified and shocked. No. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, we always need more money, but it's actually about. Um, agencies working together there's a huge divide between social care which is funded mostly out of locally raised taxes and health which is funded out of national taxes and if you could just cross that divide that would be the key ticket but I spent a career working on that and it hasn't happened yet um what can we all do just you know lobby lobby your MPs and say you want better care Right. Work with people like Age UK who are doing a fantastic job um, politically in trying to resolve this. Look at your older friends as friends, not as people that are in need. Um, treat us, treat older people with the respect that they deserve. The media can do so much more. There's so much more about diversity, but nothing I see on age. I don't see much on age and diversity on the telly. Push, 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 and value your loved ones that are a little over their three score years yeah. and ten. All right, that, that that sounds like good advice. Let's just bring it back to you specifically. If okay. people have been listening to you describing your company and how you work, and they think, mm. oh, you know what, that could be really useful for my dad, my mum, or, yeah. or or for me, or you know, whatever. Um, how can they find out a little bit more about care in general, and also? your your operation what you do okay i've talked about age uk fantastic resource for knowing about all care and they do a very good um, pointing service you can look on our website www.arbourcare spelled a-r-b-o-u-r care.co.uk there's a lot of information not just about us but about care in general you can always ring me in the office 01932 901444. I don't do a heavy sell because if a heavy sell doesn't work, but I can point you to where you get the help that you want. We, we do that service as well. Excellent. All right, Christina, thank you very much indeed for chatting. I think a lot of people will find that very useful. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show. And they were Colleen Dwyer. She's a therapist with Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking and Christina Sell from Arbor Companions and Care. And of course, thank you to you for listening. That was the Relaxed Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.